It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. Hey everybody, this is Josh. Today's episode is a little different. We aren't covering snack bag topics or teasers this week. Instead, we have a very special episode where Maureen and I, along with two special guests, rank the very best Christmas movies. Maureen and I will be back with our last new show of 2018 next week. For now, enjoy the very special episode. This is episode 26 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. All right, everybody, welcome. We are so excited today to bring in two special guests from the flagship show on the Vernacular Podcast Network, the founders and the host of Vernacular Podcast, the one that started it all. We have Zach and Sally Crippen. Welcome, guys. Hey, Josh and Maureen. Wow, that's an amazing introduction. Thank you <laughs> so much. I'm, I'm, I'm free to, to come on anytime and introduce whenever you need me. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, do, we'll just uh, let's just record you. Hire and, you out. And you can yeah. be a new <laughs> introduction for every episode that we do. So, welcome to the Popcast. It's your first time here. We've been on your show once before, and I've been on uh, the other podcast in the network, Third String, a couple of times. So, that's come right. on in, guys. The water's warm. No need to be. <laughs> yeah, afraid. I'm very excited. I'm an avid listener i listen to you guys every week well thank you that's so nice so i should say uh to everybody listening we are into the holiday season and christmas is just a few weeks away so happy holidays to you both and maureen yeah merry christmas yeah you guys too this is one of the best times of year absolutely it's great. we love it do you guys have any go-to like christmas snacks that you take advantage of in the holiday season i'll, I'll start off if you need some time to think about please. this. please I'm a big Trader Joe's apostle, as is Sally. <laughs> I thought you were going to say this. Love everything that Trader Joe's has. <laughs> and they have great seasonal snacks. The most recent one that I have really fallen in love with is... Actually, there are two, but they're both hot cocoa themed. They have hot cocoa O's, which is basically chocolate Cheerios with little marshmallow bits. I'm in. And they have hot cocoa Pop-Tarts, which... Well, they're not... Pop-Tarts is like... It's like Kleenex, right? Like... They're Pop-Tarts, but they're really toaster pastries. We, we call them Pop-Tarts. Right, 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 right. So it's like, it's hot cocoa toaster pastries. But it's, yeah. Also delicious. Yeah, but the emphasis on the seasonal, you have to go get them basically before Christmas. I have to ask, is it is it like seasonal beers? Because it is impossible to find an Oktoberfest beer pretty much once you get to the middle of October. So do I have to start shopping for these? Did I miss my window already now that we're into December? Um, you did not, know because Perfect. they will take these things off the shelves, I think in January. That's my understanding based okay. on based last on conversations year? with store employees well, last and too. last year. Because the Hot Cocoa O's, I fell in love with last year and I was just like, this is my new favorite cereal. This is what I'm going to get. Yeah, forever. Every week, forever. But we didn't really understand Trader Joe's marketing at the right. time. And so we didn't realize that they had seasonal items. And then and, to ooh. my utter dismay in January, they disappeared. I went to Trader Joe's to pick up my hot cocoa O's and they were gone. And I asked where they were and they're like, oh, that's they're seasonal. They'll be back next year. So now my we strategy this year. stocking up in yeah, November. <laughs> I get like one to two boxes every time I go to Trader Joe's and I'm just stockpiling. We're never going to run out. So you have them year round. In our pantry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the plan. That's the goal anyways. Yeah. I actually haven't looked at the expiration date to make sure these things will like be good for as long I'm as sure I need them to be, be good fine. for. Zach, I, I, mean, don't, I don't think sugar expires. So I think you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it is. It is actually. It reminds me of the. I don't know if you guys are Calvin and Hobbes fans at all, but it reminds me of the chocolate frosted sugar bombs that Calvin always ate in yeah. Calvin and Hobbes. Maureen, do you have any favorite holiday treats? It's really funny um, because when you guys asked that question, my first thought was, "Yeah, all of them, 
all of them. Anything that <laughs> right. anybody puts that's, out, that's it's like the best time at work um, because there's always free treats in the kitchen and certainly around family at the holidays. So I do not discriminate. I enjoy all holiday snacks. I will say I'm partial to anything with chocolate in it. Um, but, oh, of course. Yeah. But in my family, we have a special cookie recipe that was my grandmother's, which is a cream cheese cookie, and it's made with a cookie Ooh. press. So that's always wow. really special. Wait a minute. What is a cookie press? I don't even know what that is. So the cookie press is basically you make the dough and then you chill the dough and you put it into you know think like the machine that makes like play-doh noodles but basically it's like this long cylinder and you put the dough in there and then you turn it and it pushes it through like a little a little shape and then it goes right onto the cookie sheet so and what is the what is the advantage of a cookie press like what? does it just get you a perfectly shaped cookie? Yes, sometimes, but nice. it's also like you can mass do it. So like you basically like produce. put it up and you put it on the cookie sheet and it's like a quarter of a turn and it's a cookie. So you just like go. Wow. You, yeah, and oh, you can sweet. change yeah. the shape halfway through. So that's always that's always a good holiday wow, one. This is for us. cool. I've never actually heard you of it. You know, this. here's a life hack for cookie shaping that I've uh, figured out. If you use an ice cream scoop to shape the balls of dough, it's like the perfect size. All right, I'm gonna have to try that. And guys, I'm I'm sad. I'm sorry to say to all of our listeners, this will be the last episode of Pop Culture. We're gonna move exclusively to baking after this. <laughs> so I hope that you enjoy this. Well, we are here today to talk Christmas movies, and specifically through a somewhat scientific test, the four of us have ranked eleven of the best Christmas movies of all time to determine the absolute best one, at least according to the four of us. So take that as you will. But before we reveal the rankings, I want to go over the movies that we watched and the criteria we used to evaluate the films. So first, let me talk about the films. To start, we had two movies included right away. They're two classics, and those were It's a Wonderful Life and White Christmas. And then each of us, myself, Maureen, Zach, and Sally, each added two films each, which brought us to a total of 10. So those additional eight, in no particular order, were Home Alone, Love Actually, The Santa Claus, The Holiday, the 1994 version of Miracle on 34th Street, Elf, You've Got Mail, and the 2000 live-action version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And since there were... Great film. Great film. Well, we will get to that, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Since there were a few other classics that we left off the list, because we are all parents here and have a lot of other things to do, we did put an additional film in as a wild card by an anonymous vote amongst the four of us, and that turned out to be A Christmas Story. So that was our 11th film. So before we get into the rankings, just a few caveats. We decided to exclude all animated films like Rudolph, Frosty, and the original Grinch. They are all excellent, but they don't really fit well with these films in terms of comparison. And also we couldn't include some other classics like A Muppet Christmas Carol, Christmas Vacation, and Die Hard. Totally kidding on the last one. Or am I? The best Christmas movie of all time. Yes, oh it just wouldn't. It, it, it wouldn't be fair to pit it against all these other ones. That's so right. that's why. That, that's why I thought we omitted it from the list. I, I still want to know why we omitted the original A Christmas Carol franchise. There's like five different A Christmas Carols, and that's Alistair that's Sim. actually why we omitted them because there are five. <laughs> There's just five too many. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So stay tuned. I would have given an argument. Stay tuned in the coming weeks. Maybe Zach and I will do just a diehard podcast on our own. Oh, there we go. Yes, <laughs> there we it's go. the rewatchables. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so here's a quick rundown of the criteria we use to rank these films. So we ranked each film in three categories on a scale of one to 10. For our listeners, we ranked entertainment value. Is it fun to watch? The quality of the film, is it well-made, well-written, well-acted, well-directed? You get the idea. And then the third category, Christmas spirit. Does this film get you into the Christmas spirit? And this was kind of, each of us could could interpret our own definition of that. So I took each of the scores for all the films out of a possible 30 and averaged them. The highest average score was our number one film, and the lowest average score was number 11. In the event that we had a tie, and we did have one tie the average Christmas spirit score would determine the higher ranking film. Okay, that was a lot. So thank you for bearing with me while I explain that. But I think it'll make the next part a lot more fun. We're going to go 11 to 1. Are you guys ready to get to the rankings? Yeah, and our listeners should know that Zach, Sally, and I, this is Maureen, we do not know 
the the results. Josh tallied everything, but so he's been keeping it a secret. And even I bar- bothered him at home, and he was like, "Nope, can't tell you until we're recording." So this will be a live reveal for us too. Let's do it. I'm, I'm ready. Excited. Okay, drum roll, please. The lowest film on our list with an average score of 17.25 was A Christmas Story, directed by oh, yeah. Bob Clark and released in 1983. Okay, so initial reactions. I think it's fitting because it was our wild card, right? So like we had all picked two movies already. So I don't know. It kind of makes sense to me. It's also not one of my favorites. I definitely like it, but I would watch other ones before this one. Yeah, this is this is just one of those that I think honestly is very overrated. It's I agree. You know, it's it has like the the tired storyline, the kid who wants his BB rifle, etc. But it's just always on like I don't know USA or Hallmark, one of those channels. Just has like it's a like Christmas story marathon, just something. on repeat. Yeah. And I'm kind of just over the Christmas story. Okay, can I interject here? Because when I watched it, so I had never seen the movie all the way through until very recently. When we were, when I was preparing for this podcast, I thought I need to watch it start to finish. And so I right. sat down and watched it. And here's what I took away. And this is where it lost points for me. The first thing is that it it did not inspire a lot of Christmas spirit for me. Despite the fact that it takes place at Christmas, the entire focus is on the commercial aspect of Christmas, which is fine as right. a part of Christmas, but that's really the entire thing. So Ralphie wants his Red Rider BB gun, and for me, that took away from, from really getting into the, the mood of the season, because that's only a small part of it. Then the other part is that being a film from 1983, it does have some problematic moments, and it's Indeed. set in the 1940s. They're the very last scene in the movie. They're eating dinner in a Chinese restaurant, and there's some rather unsavory depiction of Asian characters. So that's not great. That also deducted points for me. Those types of scenes happen in older movies more often than we realize, and it's it's only when you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, this this did not age well with this movie. Exactly. Um, can I just give a slight shout out? And I agree with this ranking last. However, there are some moments in this movie that are iconic to me when the one kid sticks his tongue to the freezing oh, yes, light pole definitely. and gets that. That's amazing moment. Oh, that's true. I that was like that a cautionary tale for too. me as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I ever licked anything in the cold, I would just be stuck <laughs> there until I died. The leg lamp, of course, is like overplayed in the movie, oh, yes. but like as a standalone, hilarious. And then the uh, my standalone, most, I see what you did there. <laughs> my most favorite moment is when they dress the kid up in the snowsuit and he can't put his arms down. Yeah. Because right. I think every one of us has been there either as a child or with our own children. The other thing I would add on this point, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this, but I prefer the more modern it's not a remake, but it's like a it's like a retold version of the story because this is a this is a fairly fairly uh, trite story. But have you guys seen Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. This, that's basically yeah. that's basically I feel like our generation's version of a Christmas story, and that one is certainly not high quality cinema by any means, <laughs> but it's enjoyable when that one's on TV around the, the holiday season. I'll be like, ah, oh, okay, I'll watch a few minutes of Jingle All the Way. Why not? Let's see. Turbo Man. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our number 10 film. And here's where I think we're going to start getting into a little bit of a discussion because at number 10 is the 1990 classic starring Macaulay Culkin, Home Alone. This was directed by John Hughes. This had a score of 19.5, our average. Okay. So I have to ask because I think Zach and Sally had this ranked a little bit lower than Maureen and I. So, Sally, tell us what it is about this that doesn't really get you into the Christmas spirit. Because I think your Christmas spirit score is relatively low on this one. Yeah, I don't even know. (laughs) I think I chose... I I decided not to overthink this, but I think I chose five as like being a neutral. But, yeah, I just... To me, this is just like a terrible, it's not about Christmas. It's about this terrible child who is stuck at home and then all these terrible guys come and try to steal stuff from his house. And it's just like, I hate it. What do you have against Macaulay Culkin? He's he's just like, like, he's not a terrible child. This was his prime. He's ingenious. (laughs) I just, I hate the concept. I don't like the bad guys. It creeps me out and it has nothing to do with Christmas. It just Uh, happens to take place at Christmas. Another thing I can. I can mention that perhaps would will shed some light on Sally's opinion of this movie is Sally has 
almost zero tolerance for slapstick humor or oh, anything yeah, resembling Oh, yeah, for sure. That'll for do sure. it. So yeah. th- there are a lot of slapstick elements, obviously, in Home Alone and just not really Sally's thing. it's stressful. It's like this child is trying to fight these terrible men. It's just, yeah. There um, is. You there... may be the first person I've ever heard describe Home Alone as a stressful <laughs> movie. Behind that, I think I I get it a little bit because my mom does not like slapstick or things humor where people get hurt or things are breaking, which is basically this whole right. movie. So I grew yes, up with a disaster little bit of that. in the house. Yeah. Oh my goodness, who's cleaning this house up? Right, not me. I but grew I, up watching reruns of the Three Stooges, so okay. this, this to me is like my childhood again. <laughs> I guess I just feel like this one to me has a little bit. I'm surprised that it ranked this low. I totally agree with all of your points, Sally. But again, there's some classic moments in this. Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. I mean, like I say that around my house about silly things. When he slaps his face with the aftershave. There's like some, I don't know, just iconic moments. So I think I I gave it extra points for that. I will disagree with Sally too a little bit that this is a little bit more Christmassy than I think you gave it credit for, Sally. There, there's they get some tangled up in lights and w- that's not what I had in mind. There's there's like a scene in the church, right? Isn't there's there a scene a... in the church. And doesn't he wish yeah. for his family to come back? Like he asks Santa. Well, he asks in the church for his family to come back. Right. Right. And I think that the I think what really gets me for for this movie is that the end of the movie, you know, the whole thing is about these hijinks and and this little kid outsmarting these two bandits. But I think that the end of the movie where his mom has spent the entire movie trying to get back to him, it's just I think that there's a really nice family moment at the end where he's sort of been shoved aside at the beginning of the movie and then he is embraced at the end of the movie. And I think that that helps. And the fact that I think it I think that's on Christmas Day itself that helps get me into the Christmas spirit. But I can totally see how it's not the most Christmassy movie that we're going to talk about. Okay, so let's jump into our number nine movie. I was also surprised. Single digits now. We're down in the single digits. Top 10, baby. Uh, I was surprised that this one was pretty low because this this holds a special place in my heart. But at number nine is the Santa Claus directed by John Pasquin, starring Tim Allen, released in 1994 with a score of 20.5. No, this is exactly this is exactly where this movie belongs. Really? Yeah. Okay. I have no no qualms. <laughs> All right, let me Zach, please explain. All right, here here's my here's my one thought on this movie that describes how I feel. It, it, this, this is a hot take, okay? Tim Allen's career peaked when he played the animated role of Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. <laughs> So and when was that? That was 1995, uh, the first yeah, Toy 1995. Story. And everything he's done besides that, even if it was before that, building up to that, has just not been as good. And by comparison, just isn't, I don't know, isn't compelling. I'm not a fan. So basically, anytime he's actually kind of playing himself or a human being. Right. Yeah. When he's not playing an animated toy, he's just not very good. Maureen, what do you think about this? I mean, it's not one of my favorites, so I'm not upset with where it landed. But I think this one had really high Christmas spirit um, rankings for me because it's like he's becoming Santa and it's at the North Pole. And there's a lot of, I mean, like you feel Christmas and that little boy Yeah, I mean, I, I will say... I do have a Christmas spirit rating of eight for this one, which is oh, wow. pretty high. That is high. But my overall enjoyment down to a six for the Santa Claus. Ooh, so. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. So here's what I'll say about this movie. When I rewatched this movie, I was struck by the, the number of clever things that they put in the film that I just don't think kids would get when they watch it because it's clearly a children's movie. It's for families, right. but there are lots of little clever things that you just don't get when you watch it the first time. So for our listeners out there, I encourage you to to watch it again, give it another shot and pay attention to some of the things. It's very clever. So check that out. I think that that's nice. I will say this, this did not rank super high for me in terms of quality of the film. While I do think Tim Allen is good in this movie, the CGI reindeer do not hold up at all. <laughs> so that, that took a dive for me. And, you know, overall, it's kind of a silly movie. So, and, and the sequels are awful. So please do not watch those. I oh, would, yeah. Yeah. But for me, I was surprised it was number nine on this list. I would have put some of the... You know I, what movie, you know what movie, Josh, has great sequels? It's Toy Story. Toy Story does have good sequels. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I, have a, I have an unrelated hot take just because you mentioned Toy Story. I have to go out on a limb and say that while I did like Toy Story 3 a lot... That year, it won the Academy Award for Best Animated Film, 
and I think that the better animated film that that year was How to Train Your Dragon. So I'm just gonna say that's a hot take. Seven that years, eight years take. later. Wow. But suggesting that one of the Toy Story films does not deserve an Academy Award. That is a hot take. I, I won't engage you on that because, to be honest, I haven't seen How to Train Your Dragon. And this is a Christmas movie podcast, so we'll, we'll stick okay, to that. Okay, yeah, but... that's also a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we ready to move on to number eight? Let's do it. The number eight film, The Holiday, written oh. and directed by Nancy Myers, starring Kate Winslet, Jude Law, Cameron Diaz, and Jack Black, released in 2006. Initial thoughts on this, Maureen? I don't know. Zach had an audible reaction, so I maybe want to hear your take before I give mine. <laughs> I love The Holiday. It has a very special place in my heart. I think because Sally and I, the first time I saw it, it was with Sally, but we just both really connected with the film and like, I don't know, with each other over the film. So I probably am guilty of overestimating the sure, quality of this film, sure. but I liked Jude Law. I'm actually, I'm not a huge Cameron Diaz fan, but I like Jude Law a lot and I like Kate Winslet a lot and their characters are really good. And it's, it's to me like a relatively unique storyline. As far as rom-coms go. Yeah. As far yeah. as rom-coms go, it's not just like the, uh, the characters, you know, the, the, the girl who you wouldn't expect to get with the guy ends up getting with him at the end. It's, it's kind of that, but like two different stories in parallel. I don't know. It's just more unique and, um, lots of, adorable interactions between the various characters in the film. So, and I like how Jude law is not a, um, like, like he's a very committed dad widower and they have a, he and Cameron Diaz's character have a cute relationship. Yeah. And, and I love Jack Black Jack. and, yeah. um, Kate Winslet. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's definitely things that I think detract from the overall storyline and quality. There are. Cameron Diaz is pretty terrible. She's um, the worst. <laughs> she's I can't believe it took you this long to say that. I'm like thinking back to this movie. I'm like, she's oh, yeah. so bad. Yeah, I was she's trying to, I was trying to keep my criticism muted. She's the weakest link. But yeah, she is. I mean, I think we were watching it last year and I was just like, oh But the goodness. other three just kind of carry her. Bounce, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bounce it out. And I think the other thing is having lived in England like you and I did, I think that's another thing that makes us kind of nostalgic. Yeah. Sure. We, we like that part of the storyline as well. Yeah, so like yeah. I said, I'm probably maybe my audible reaction. Maureen wasn't totally justified. I'm probably guilty of overestimating this movie. Well, because what of all about, those things. what about Christmas spirit? Cause nostalgic. Sure. Rom-com. Yeah. I like it. Okay. But like, this isn't even one that I honestly would put on in the background while I'm like wrapping Christmas presents. I just don't think of it necessarily as a Christmas movie. As a Christmas movie. I don't know. I mean, it happens at Christmas, so I don't know. Right. So does Home Alone. And then they get together, and then it's New <laughs> Justice Year's. for Home Alone. Die hard. <laughs> Justice for Home Alone. I just only watch it at Christmas time. Yeah. It happens at Christmas. There's snow. I uh, should mention, uh, because I didn't mention this when I introduced it, this film scored a 21.75, and it was very close to the next two films, which tied at 22. So okay. it's not, it's, it's, an, it's ranked number eight, but it is not... That part behind six. number six and seven. Okay. What I will say about this movie is that I am a big, big Kate Winslet fan. She is my favorite actress. What I will say about this film is that the thing that took it down for me was in Christmas spirit. And that was because while I do think that the scenes in England feel very Christmassy because it's snowing and it feels like wintertime. The other the half of the movie California. takes place in Los Angeles <laughs> and it's, right. you know, it's hot and they're wearing shorts and there's a scene in Blockbuster and it just doesn't really feel so much like Christmas to me. But I do like sure. Jack Black. I, I feel like a lot of my childhood though, like nights on winter break were spent in Blockbuster trying to find movies to watch. That's a so. fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> hours and but hours. No, I totally, I totally see what you're saying. It is the, the California scenes are, they do not feel very Christmasy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to know what the next two are. Okay, let's jump into the next two. This is our tie. We had a tie at 22 points apiece. The tiebreaker favored one. I'll give you number seven first, and then I'll tell you what number six was. Okay. Okay, so number seven was You've Got Mail. That was written and directed by Nora Ephron, starring Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Greg Kinnear, and a very, very young Dave Chappelle released in 1998 and the average christmas spirit score was 4.25 so this is i think going to be our biggest discussion point because both zach and sally had very high christmas spirit scores and both maureen and i had very low christmas spirit scores so maureen <laughs> let me start with Fair. you 
I would like to hear. Actually, let me start with Sally because she put this one on the list. And I want to I mean, hear it's, your. It's I want to hear your argument. It's the best movie ever made, so that's why it's on the list. I'm looking at Sally's ra- rankings right now because <laughs> she showed me her rankings, and she she gave this movie an almost perfect score, tens all the way across, <laughs> nine on the Christmas spirit, which I have I, to say is absurdly high for this movie. I absurdly love this movie. high too. I too am looking forward to this I love this movie. Sally. It's irrational. I know. I know that it's not a Christmas movie, that there are only a few scenes that happen in Christmas, but they're important scenes and it's just the greatest movie ever. So I only watch it at Christmas time. I actually watch it New Year's Eve usually, um, which to me is still Christmas. And 12 days. Yeah. I well, Sally, just... in your defense, when you put this on the list, I was initially confused because I have to say... <laughs> totally understandable. <laughs> totally understandable. I am alone in... I mean, almost alone in Wait, my love of it. Josh is being really nice. <laughs> when you put this on the... I, I like... I thought this was a mistake. Like, I was like, what? That's not a Christmas movie. And also, Sally, I love this movie, too. So I validate everything you feel about it. It's an amazing, amazing rom-com. Just not at Christmas I time. love both of them. But I just... <laughs> I'm like... It's not a Christmas. I mean, yes, there are some Christmas scenes, but I, I was like, what? And especially because we could only pick two movies. So I right. think it speaks very highly of your love for it, that this was one of your two. <laughs> it yeah, is. I mean, it's, it's not Christmas without You've Got Mail. And I mean, background, <laughs> one year, my mom and I were going through photo albums at on New Year's Eve, and we just watched it over and over and over again until like 4 a.m., which is probably the longest I've ever stayed up in my life. And... I've just always wanted to watch it on New Year's Eve ever since. And wow. so I think it's just me. It, it really is just me, but I couldn't not put it on the list. Well, I was going to say, Sally, in your defense, when you put this on the list, I was confused. And so I looked, I, I Googled, is You've Got Mail a Christmas movie? Because I had never seen it before I watched the movies for this podcast. And oh, so funny. So you are justified because there are several websites, including very big websites like Entertainment Weekly that say this is a Christmas And you've movie. got mailfans.com. <laughs> yes, that one too. <laughs> but I did watch it and I liked it. It's a good movie. And Tom Hanks is incredible as he is in most of his films. Meg Ryan's oh, good. Yeah. Greg Kinnear's good. It's a good movie. There are Christmas scenes, like Maureen said, but really this is, the, this is a romance that takes place over a span of... I don't know, six to eight months. And like yeah. that span of time includes Christmas, but the climactic scene is in a park in what looks like springtime. springtime. So yeah. like to me, I think if you're really going to have a strong case for a movie being a Christmas movie, a rom-com being a Christmas movie, it's the climactic scene has to be mm. like snow falling in front of a Christmas tree, ice skating in Rockefeller Center, like something like that that's much more Christmassy. So, Well, I think for all of Josh, your scientific... Uh, calculus for this whole thing i just kind of threw it off because it was just my own it's a christmas it's a christmas movie to you idiosyncratic okay i will say this this is not about the christmasness of this movie but you know the rewatchables podcast which i know we've all listened to they like to talk about what's aged well in the movie and i think what you've got mail has going for it is this whole like anti-amazon materialist christmas thing and interestingly enough not the only film we're going to talk about that has that theme in it I think you're right, though, and and what I'll say about this is the thing that does not age well is the dial-up tone does not age well, because there are several times in You've Got Mail where we have to listen to the AOL dial-up tone, and I just thought to myself, (laughs) did they think that this was necessary more than once? You know, like, everybody knew how it worked, so... Yeah, I mean, was this product placement, do you think? Like, do you think AOL Mm. paid... Had to be. Like, yeah, how much do you think they've got, they paid for naming rights there? You've got mail. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so let's let's figure out which film was tied with it that ended up with a Christmas spirit score of 8.25, also with 22 points, and that was How the Grinch Stole Christmas, directed by Ron Howard, starring Jim Carrey, released in the year 2000. No. <laughs> Sally is absolutely incensed right now that How the Grinch Stole Christmas tied with You've Got Mail. And I, One I, out I should, over You've Got Mail. I should, yeah, I should say it did win. It did win out. It was six it, it, for Christmas Spirit. Oh, right. Okay, okay but we're not voting like record. best movie ever. We're just voting best Christmas movie. <laughs> so, so don't worry. I love this one. So I grew up on 
the book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Dr. Seuss classic. And when I was very young, I, I saw the old How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That's my and favorite, just as a shout out. The like original. Yeah, animated the cartoon one. one. Yeah, it is definitely good. So let me preface this by saying I had I had high ranks for this one, obviously. I think I'm probably the reason that it, it won over. You've got mail. I'm sorry, Sally. But, um, you know, Jim Carrey is too much most of the time. Like if you see almost any Jim Carrey movie, uh, you know, Ace Ventura, Yes Man, Liar Liar. Like he's just he's a he's a bit much, right? And the same goes for How the Grinch Stole Christmas. But I think the difference is it works because he's playing the Grinch, this non-human, non-who character who is just entirely unique and entirely his own, and is the star of the show in a way that no human actor can be. And at the same time, Ron Howard, who's a great, uh, great director, I think did a very good job at incorporating a lot of the sort of whimsical and quirky elements of a Dr. Seuss novel in a live action film, so much so that you're really kind of transported to a, a live action version of a Dr. Seuss film. And, you know, it's, it's, it's corny at, at points, it's cheesy and maybe a bit much, but I just think it's fun. And, I've thought that ever since I was a kid and saw it for the first time. And it's just a, it's just a fun movie. Do I watch it every year? No, it's because it's maybe a bit much, but every couple of years I'll take a how they're going to show Christmas and enjoy it. Okay. So here's what I have to say about this movie. This is another one that I saw when it first came out or, or a couple of years after it came out when I was younger, I rewatched it for the first time since then this year. And I have to say it is better than I remember it being. And I have to yeah. agree about Jim Carrey, there is, I was thinking about this and I was talking to someone I work with about this as well, who loves this movie. And there is no other actor that I can think of that could have played that role. And then, <laughs> I totally agree. And then yeah. when I thought, is there another actor that could, I thought only if they saw Jim Carrey do it first and then they right. would just be imitating him. So I totally agree with that. Some things I didn't love about the movie then and when I rewatched it, I didn't realize the entire movie takes place on a single snowflake. And I guess this is a Dr. Seuss thing because who's are supposed to be small. But that was right. kind of weird to me when I rewatched it. I was like, oh, I didn't remember that. I don't love the makeup on the who's like I know that that's what they look like. But it's just a little creepy to me that you have people who look like humans who have these weird noses and and upper lips kind of creeps me out i feel like all of those yeah all of that is creepy to me. like the like the jim carrey grinch makeup is excellent and this movie actually won an oscar for best makeup which is right kind of cool yeah wow and this movie actually of the movies that are on this list it has some of the highest pedigree of directors composers actors of any of the movies we're talking about like james horner composed the score that's pretty amazing that they got him to do it and the score is yeah. really good. Um, so I did like this movie more this time around than I did the first time. Yeah, I think it's aged well, honestly. I think so too. And I don't think because it's set in this fantasy world, I don't think that it's going to age out quickly. Like the original cartoon is still something people watch and that's because it's sort of set in this other environment. The only thing I will say about this film is that it's probably like 20 minutes too long you know, it's a kid's movie and it runs almost an hour and 50 minutes. I think it, they could probably have cut some like 20 minutes from it. But yeah, otherwise, I, you know, I, I think that's that's a criticism that I think can be equally leveled at most movies before 2005. Like they just they used to make movies longer. All right. Let's get into the top five. Top five, baby. Here we go. You guys ready for this? Yeah, I'm excited. Number five. Miracle on 34th Street. Directed oh, by Les Mayfield, starring Richard Attenborough, a very young Dylan McDermott, and an even younger Mara Wilson, released in 1994. Sally, this was this was on your list, and this is one of two films that got a perfect score from one of our contributors. Sally, you gave it a 30 out of 30. <laughs> so I will it's let you kick so this good. off. Okay, so we're talking about quality of the film. I feel like it's well acted and well made. Um, I did grow up. Well, I guess I remember watching the older version, but then I easily switched to this one because it was just so much better. Um, and I really like all of the main characters. And then enjoyment of the film. I mean, I always enjoy watching it. Again, this is one that my family goes to every year. And you usually, yeah, we just always watch it. Um, and then, so Christmas Spirit, again, basically it doesn't feel like Christmas if I don't watch this movie. <laughs> and... 
it so I guess but maybe I'm interpreting Christmas spirit in like a very personal way so but which is totally I, I think fine. that's okay totally looking bad. objectively yeah. at the movie it I mean it, it's all about Christmas right it starts at Thanksgiving and it ends at Christmas and the ending scenes are just so fun and exciting and everything that you want to happen happens in the movie by the end of the movie so yeah i just don't know how you could including the wedding right this. don't they it ends in a wedding yeah almost it almost. ends with um them her saying they're they're like what was your what was the other thing you wished for and she's like a baby brother and then they look at her stomach and because they just got married the night before oh okay gotcha and yeah. they're like well if we if he was able to grant all of these other wishes then probably right. you know she's already pregnant yeah, that's one thing I like about the movie. I, I don't like it when uh, romantic movies end with just like the characters getting together. Right. I like it when it ends with them married because marriage yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm noticing a theme as we talk about, you know, each of our favorite movies and it's making me really happy. And that theme is just that there are certain movies that each of us have like very personal ties to, whether we grew up watching them or, you know, it was, you know, a date movie or something that, you know, you've now cultivated with your own family. But I think that as we think about Christmas movies specifically and this time of year, which is so tied with family and tradition, it's really nice to hear about the different movies that each of us may have grown up with. And therefore those are the most powerful to us. So for example, like Die Hard, (laughs) not Die Hard, but if Die Hard was your family movie, then yeah, like Die Hard. I think it's more like, right, right. I really like hearing your take on this one, Sally, because I like this movie and I think it is incredibly Christmassy. It's just not one that I grew up watching over and over. So I don't have the same emotional connection to it, but there is another one on the list that like, I feel the exact same way about like, I'm like, it's perfect. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm the other perfect score that was given. So we'll get to that. But <laughs> it's just really, it's nice. I feel like you can get insight into people's childhoods and their family traditions. And I just think that's another cool layer um, to kind of dissecting all of these different Christmas movies and what they mean to each of us. I have one more thought on Miracle on 34th Street, which is just that, so I gave this one a pretty low score. I think it was my second lowest overall, just ahead of A Christmas Story. And while I definitely appreciate my wife's appreciation of this movie, to me, I don't really, I don't really do serious movies, like non-comedies in which Santa Claus is real. Mm. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't know. It's just, I can do the Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas because like Josh mentioned, this is all happening on a snowflake. Like clearly you have to suspend some aspect of belief to enjoy how the Grinch stole Christmas. And I'm okay, I'm okay with that. I, right. we're gonna, I think we're going to talk about Elf, kind of the same thing there, um, or even the Santa Claus. But yeah, wait, Zach, how did this one compare to the Santa Claus, which you've already said Tim Allen's performance was lackluster for you? So yeah, I mean, it, that's more about Tim more Allen. Comedic? Like that's less about the that's less about the premise of Santa Claus. So, but like the the reason that I'm okay with Elf, for example, where you know Will Ferrell is an elf, is because there's there's no serious part of that movie that mm-hmm. it's like it's a comedy. And Miracle on 34th Street is it's not all about a comedy. believing that Santa Claus is real. Right. But then this, there's this Chris Kringle dude, you know, running around in a beard. And oh, by the way, he's the real Santa Claus. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell anybody. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. It is a little weird. And I have a couple thoughts on this movie before we move on. And I'll say them quickly. The first is Does anybody else get Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney mixed up? Because I, I just cannot keep the two apart. I, I resort to call them. Dylan McDermott Mulroney just combine the, both of their names. <laughs> just a, the, a the latter <laughs> is uh, X Files, right? I think that's someone different, honestly. No, yeah, Dermot Mulroney. He's the Who one from. He? He's the one from my best friend's wedding. I and mean, the wedding date. He's dreamy. Oh yes. Okay, I know. Could who not. He is too. Could not tell. Yeah, them I definitely apart. don't get that con- them confused though. And then the other thing about this, Mar Wilson is super cute as a little girl. She does a really good job. She was later in Matilda, which is another great kids movie. Right, that's a good one, yeah. The thing that I'll say about this movie, Zach, I just have to echo what you said about this whole thing about a serious movie trying to convince you that Santa Claus is real. It's just a little silly. The whole idea that there would be this huge legal trial is just, I I really couldn't get past that. So that was something. The only other thing about this movie that threw me off is that I saw this movie after I saw Jurassic Park, 
And obviously, the person who plays Santa Claus is Richard Attenborough, who is Dr. John Hammond in Jurassic Park, which came out the year before. So then I just had this thought in my head, is this all a connected universe? And Dr. John Hammond's dream of Jurassic Park failed. And so then he becomes Santa Claus. And he looks like exactly the same. And all I could think when I was watching the movie is, welcome to Jurassic Park. Yeah, that sounds so evil. You know what we should do, Josh, is we should Photoshop the... Chris Kringle cane so that it has the little mosquito embedded in the yes, amber. Absolutely. When he yeah. when he goes to hit that guy in the street, they're like Yes, precisely. Yeah, that's like, perfect. Oh, I definitely conspiracy think Conspiracy theorists a, unite. <laughs> there was a missed crossover opportunity here. For sure. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our number four film. And this is my favorite film, the one that I rank number one, and that's It's a Wonderful Life directed by Frank Capra and starring Jimmy Stewart, released in 1946. So I'll kick this off by saying this is a movie that I have watched every year since I was very, very young. So for me, this is my personal film. And my dad introduced it to me when I was a very young child. And while I don't well, I can see people's arguments that it's not the most Christmassy movie out there, I have associated it with this holiday and this time of year forever. And so it ranks very highly for me. Also, Jimmy Stewart is great. And there's just so many good lines in this movie. But I won't monopolize this conversation. I want to hear what other people think. Because it did rank number four overall, which means other people liked it too. I pretty much could say everything that you just said, Josh. I totally agree. I had the same experience growing up. We were forced to watch it every year. But it never, it just like never really, it was always so long. And It is super long. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It just it never really did it for me. Like it was, that was the experience that I had too. And I love Jimmy Stewart and I do think that it's a Christmas movie, but it just never really did it for me. You know what? I just looked up how long it is. It's not nearly as long as I thought it was. It's only two hours and 10 minutes. I, for some reason, thought it's like three hours. It feels like it's 12 hours. Yeah, it feels like, I was going to say three hours, but 12 hours is good too. (laughs) It really, it really feels like it's longer than one of the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. Like, (laughs) <laughs> like three plus hours. I also love Jimmy Stewart in this. And I like, you know, the ending is very sweet and Zuzu's petals and Clarence, Clarence. I was going to make him do it if he didn't. So thank you, honey. Um, but I, I find it a little sad and that's why I ranked it a little yeah. bit lower is because there's, there's, and it's very, you know, like it's very touching and there's a lot of real life, but like there's a lot of sad things that happen in this movie. And the fact that George like never gets to go on his adventure and I, I don't know. There's just some like things that I end up feeling a little melancholy after I watch this one. And that's not how I want to feel when I'm like in Christmassy mode. Yeah, I think that's fair. I have complicated thoughts on this one because I think like all of us, I grew up watching it. It's one of my dad's absolute favorites. My dad's a huge Frank Capra fan, fan in general. So anything by Frank Capra, my dad loves. But this is one that for me is easier to love in theory than to actually yes. sit down and watch. And I can point to all of these things and it's a wonderful life that are really good things to think about. Like this life is the only one that we have. So we should make the most of it. We should prioritize family and community and serving our fellow man is better than serving ourselves. And all of these very good themes that are fantastic messages at Christmas time. But a couple things that knocked it down the list for me. One, Josh, you mentioned this already, but it's not, I mean, it's not a super Christmas film. I would say this is as Christmassy as Love Actually, which we're also going to talk about. But, you know, basically the climactic scene happens with snow falling and Christmas music playing. You know, that's as Christmassy as Isn't this. It, I think it is Christmas Eve, though, too. Right. But, like, they're, they're around a Christmas tree. and Sure. Yeah. Um, and, like we, well, like, we also mentioned, this is too long. And um, the whole, the whole uh, just like I said, the, the Santa Claus is real thing. The whole, like, I mean, I, I believe angels are real, but Clarence coming down in that way as an angel. To earn his wings. And then the whole thing, yeah, like, he has to help George Bailey to earn his wings. And then he, like, looks up every now and then at the sky to, to wink at the stars and talk to Joseph. Like, it's just a bit, it's a bit much for me. Yeah, yeah. So. What I will say about that part of it is that that despite being made in 1946, that special effects or whatever you want to call it has aged surprisingly well because they didn't try to do something they couldn't do. Yeah, that's true. So there's just these blinking lights that act as stars or the angels sitting amongst (laughs) the stars. So it holds up surprisingly well for 2018, which is kind of surprising. The thing that I'll say about George Bailey is that he is ultimately 
a very good person. But I, what I like about the movie is that it doesn't always treat him. I mean, there, he has a lot of flaws and it doesn't shy away from showing those. So that's something I really appreciate about the movie. I don't know if that's necessarily Christmas related, but it's certainly a testament to the film. There are some kind of strange parts. Like I don't entirely understand the whole lassoing the moon part that he has with Mary and that whole scene where he like shows up at her house. It's a little weird, but I can get past it because (laughs) I have watched it so many times. So I will quote that movie to Maureen much to her dislike. I will say Clarence a lot. I will say Zuzu's paddles. So here's, here's what I was going to say about this movie just as a, a final Christmas spirit note. So I would never watch this movie by myself. It just, doesn't do it for me in that way but I really love watching this movie with Josh and with my in-laws and my sister-in-law and it was a couple Christmases ago now but basically we ended up at um, my in-laws house at the end of the Christmas night and we all watched it together and the four of them were I mean practically talking aloud during the whole movie quoting it and there was something really magical about that about like being invited into that family tradition this is exactly how I feel about watching You've got mail or Miracle on 34th Street with Sally and or <laughs> Sally's family. They just invite you right in and it makes it all the more special. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we move on into our top three, I should point out that uh, Miracle on 34th Street had a score, an average score of 22.5, which I failed to mention. And It's a Wonderful Life had a score of 23.25. So with that, let's get into our top three. This is it, everybody. The podium. Here we go. The podium with the bronze medal in third place is another film that Took a little time to grow on me, but now has become one of my favorites, and that is Elf, directed by John Favreau, starring Will Ferrell, released in 2003. This film is one that I saw in theaters the year that it came out, when I was in high school, and did not love initially. But now that I've watched it many times since, it is grown, and I'm very fond of it now. I love this one. I think it's very lighthearted, very silly, a very fun kids movie. Um Will Ferrell is just delightful and there's so many quotables and also a blonde Zoe Deschanel. So we can't forget to mention that. And we we do get some singing cameos from her. Um, I love it. This is a really fun one to watch. I don't think it's the best Christmas movie ever made, but as far as Christmas spirit goes, it's way up there for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think Christmas spirit, definitely very high. Um, It's definitely not my favorite, but I, I'm surprised it made it up to the top three, honestly. Um, But I know that people really, really like it. So that I guess that makes sense. It did have a score of 25. And I should say that the top three were separated by a total of 0.75 points. So the number one film had a score of 25.75. The number two film, which we have yet to reveal, had a score of 25.25. And then this film had a score of 25. I'm not surprised that Elf is on the podium because... To me, this movie is great. And like I have the personal reasons. We've all shared kind of our personal stories about some of our favorites. So mine for Elf is I actually had not seen this movie until the uh, the week before Sally and I were getting married. And I had flown into Chicago to spend time with Sally and her family over Christmas in advance of our wedding. And I was I had flown jet-lagged. from England, so I was jet lagged. <laughs> I was like, very tired, like clearly punchy and watched this movie and it just—it was like the funniest movie I'd ever seen. Like I was just <laughs> dying laughing because I was so punchy from being jet lagged, and so I like—I always have that in my memory as my introduction to Elf. But I think this movie has a lot of the things that we find really endearing. Zoe Deschanel, of course, amazing with her like like fantastic voice singing Christmas songs. Uh, New York at Christmas time, which yeah. I mean, what what American young person our age doesn't have? like visions of New York at Christmas time and want to go there and ice skate in Rockefeller center or yeah. take a stroll through central park or whatever. Family reunification. Yeah. Yeah, who exactly. Love that? Um, and Will Ferrell, who we, we talked about this a little bit with Jim Ugh. Carrey in the role of the Grinch, but like who could have done that role no, it's true. of it's the true. adult elf, like Will Ferrell with his little like curly hair. And I guess if I'm going to have to watch Will Ferrell, I'd rather he be a pretend be an elf. Yeah. <laughs> But just so perfectly cast for that role. I think there's a lot to like about this movie. John Favreau, one of the cinematic geniuses of our generation, truly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he directed Iron Man. Yeah. No, he's he's great. I do love all John Favreau's work. I mean, I was being facetious saying he's a cinematic genius, but I like his work a lot. Okay. So two quick points before we get to our top two. So I actually had this theory, and I told Josh this when I submitted my my results or my rankings. I basically was like, 
this isn't fair because the way we're setting it up, the movie that is the has the most mass appeal will win. And I actually had predicted that Elf would get number one because it's kind of like innocuous in that way, right? It's like everybody can laugh along with Elf, right? It, it might appeal to the most of us, whereas we all have our favorites, but they may not be the most widely loved. Um, so I'm actually surprised this didn't rank higher. So I'm excited to see what our top two are. And the other thing I just want to say, Zach, is – you made the point that, you know, it's Christmas in New York, which totally on screen, I think, does give that magic feeling. But actual Christmas in New York is maybe yeah. my personal nightmare because yeah, that's fair. the tourists and the weather and the shopping and the, I mean, I don't know. Maureen, there's nothing better than walking outside New York City, December, and stepping into a puddle of old snow and trash. Come on. Who doesn't and someone runs that? over you with Saks Fifth Avenue and steals your grocery cab. bags. Yeah, or shopping bags. Fair enough. The one thing I will say about this movie, and one of the reasons that it ranked so high for me in terms of Christmas spirit, I think it got my highest Christmas spirit award of all these films, is that I there is not a time that I watch this, and as we've discussed on this podcast before, I am very emotional. There is not a time when I watch the end of this movie and the dad starts to sing and Santa's sleigh starts to fly that I do not tear up a little bit. I just love that moment. I think it's so sweet. And I love films that have the silly, ultimately silly premise, but have a really nice heart to them. Yeah, it's so funny you say that. I am not a crier, Josh, um, but I am a sucker for the like storybook ending with nice music accompanying it at the end of movies. And the last time I watched Elf, actually, I also felt my eyes getting a little moist at the end. And I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like Santa is flying away on his sleigh as Zoe Deschanel and uh, Will Ferrell get together. And I'm like, you know, wiping, wiping in my eyes a little it's bit. It's amazing. <laughs> Literally, I mean, almost everything makes me tear up. So, you know, it's not surprising that this did, but yeah. Right, right. All right. So are we ready to get into our top two? Yeah, I'm dying to know. Okay. So though I think the way that I'll do this, because there are only two films left, and I will tell you what number one was, and then we'll talk about number two, just so that the moment of the reveal is still exciting for us all. Okay, so, so what are the two remaining? The two remaining are White Christmas track. and Love Actually. All right. Okay, so our number one film with a score of 25.75 is White Christmas. Yes, 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 oh, yes, good, 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 good. Yes, 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 yes. And then if number two. If you hadn't two, added this to the list, I definitely would have added this to the list. Like, yeah. this is definitely a requirement, and I love it so much, and I totally agree. But before we talk about White Christmas, let's talk about our number <laughs> two film which is love actually so love actually was written and directed by richard curtis and stars literally every actor that has ever acted <laughs> yeah it was released in, Britain, in right <laughs> every <yeah>. ever <laughs> it was released in 2003 and yeah it scored 25.25 let me ask everybody since this movie has so many different storylines and that they all sort of intersect due to the time of year let me hear from each of you which storyline is your favorite and which is your least favorite. And do you like this kind of a movie? Because this isn't the first movie to do this. It probably won't be the last movie to do this kind of thing where they try to intertwine all these different stories. So, um, Zach, why don't you tell us what your favorite story is, your least favorite one, and then um, if you like this kind of a movie. Okay, yeah, definitely. So my favorite is... The I'm trying to remember the characters' names, but the prime Just minister's give us actors. Yes. yeah, that's what I was going to say. Prime minister's romance with the girl whose name is escaping me, but who works for her? him? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, the one who works for him. I really like that storyline. Totally I think agree. it's adorable, and it's it's sort of like it's if you know anything about British society, it's like a major it's a major deal that the prime minister would. Um, fall for somebody so below his social stratum and it's a big deal but it's really admirable that he goes through with it um it's and and she's just such a remarkable character too and like so likable i think she's the best character in the film oh yeah natalie but, yeah natalie thank natalie, you there you go yes. of course and so i really like that storyline my least favorite storyline is the whole um i am in love with my best friend's uh new wife and mm, yep, i'm gonna yep. i mean i'm gonna film their wedding with creepy shots close-ups of her face 
that 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 is so funny because I think that on its face, when people just think about this movie quickly, people say that that scene where he shows up at the door with the cue cards. I love that scene. <laughs> it okay. is creepy. The wedding video is creepy. I totally give that to you. But, <laughs> yeah. but when he does have the cue cards, that that as a gesture out of context is really adorable. So that scene has Andrew Lincoln. It also has Kira Knightley, who right. is the object of the affection. And then Chuyatel Ejiofor, who plays her husband. Yeah, I have to say, Zach, I'm with you. That is one of my least favorite scenes. I think my favorite is the one with Liam Neeson and his son. I just find that storyline really sweet. And, you know, I have a soft place in my heart for this whole single dad thing. I think as a dad myself now, I just have a a newfound connection to dads and sons in movies. But I'm still here. No, no, I know. (laughs) No, no. I just mean that any movie that depicts a father-son relationship or even a father-daughter relationship, I just have a... I get that. I just have a newfound you know, place in my heart for those relationships in films. So I think that's my favorite. Maureen, what about you? My favorite is hands down Colin Firth, the writer um, whose wife sadly cheats on him at the beginning of his story, but then he kind of falls in love and there's a language barrier. He falls in love with the woman helping to clean his cottage, writing house. I don't know what you would even call that, but um, he yeah. learns the language and then goes to propose to her. And that, that one I just... In, like, Portuguese, right? Yeah, yeah and he, like, does so it cute. really poorly. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I love that, that one. That is a really good scene. I forgot about that one. My least favorite is probably Laura Linney. Um, I love her as an actor, but she's the one who's in love with her coworker. Um, but she has a brother a brother who requires some support from her um, constantly. And that one, I just... It's really hard for me to watch because... It's so sad. Yeah, it's so sad. And she just kind of sacrifices herself completely. Um, so that one is a little bit hard to watch. Sally, yeah. how about you? It's funny because as we're going through these, I realize that so many of them are my least favorite. <laughs> but I think, ooh, I'm torn between the one that Zach mentioned and the the guy who just goes to Wisconsin to get laid with like three sexy girls. <laughs> Call isn't like, his name Colin? Colin, yeah, that yeah. Is, that's a, probably the worst. That's more of a coda to the movie, though. It's almost like... But it's it's still a storyline yeah, throughout the whole no, thing. Yeah. So, but my fir- my top favorite is definitely the Prime Minister um, getting together with Natalie because, in large part, I think it's the way that he just doesn't... People make comments about her body, about her being chubby or the fat one or whatever, and he just doesn't see that at all. He just sees her beauty regardless and he doesn't agree with any of those detractors and he just sees her personality and so yeah i love that yeah i have to point out this movie is five minutes longer than it's a wonderful life who would have ever thought what whoa that is why we alternate because it is so long oh wait i have a new least favorite i have a new least favorite i hate the one with him buying his secretary the jewelry and oh, like yes. stabbing his wife in the heart. Oh yeah, that's so horrible. I that and that, that secretary oh. is awful. I just hate. I just. I mean, I'm sure she's a yeah. great actress, but like it's the disgusting. character she's playing is. Uh, that's my least favorite. I changed yeah. my mind. She's seducing him the whole way. Yeah, that is a terrible one. One of my favorite scenes is when uh, the musician when he's recording his single and it's like terrible, <laughs> and he's complaining about how garbage it is, but he keeps he keeps redoing it over and over and over again. I just think it's. A Hilarious. Yeah, that is really funny. Sometimes so, I'll just break out spontaneously into the I feel it in my fingers. <laughs> and it, Sally gets really annoyed. Do you guys like this kind of movie? Because I will say th- this style of movie where you have the intersection of a bunch of different lives, it's not my favorite one, but I will say Love Actually is one of the better ones of this kind of story. So Zach, Sally, do you guys like this kind of movie? You know, I don't know if I've seen enough of them to be I able know, to say like, definitively to... whether or not I like it. But I like this one. I, I feel I really like they do... all try to be this one. Wasn't this one of the first? Like Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve are both like trying oh, yeah, to be yeah, love yeah. actually. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen either of those. Um, I've seen Valentine's Day, I think. I don't really have a strong memory of it. But I do like Love Actually a lot. It's not a perfect film. There are there are parts of it that I think are unnecessary. It's not a movie for kids because they get they get... Uh, more graphic than I think they need to be to convey what they're trying to show you is going on between characters, things like that. So I have my qualms with this movie. But the thing that I really like about Love Actually is that I think it effectively, for a two-hour and 15-minute film, even though it is a bit long, I think it effectively shows us the 
complex tapestry that is human relationships. Yeah. And some of those relationships, like we all mentioned, the prime minister and Natalie are very praiseworthy and admirable and others are not so much uh, like Colin, you know, looking, looking in Wisconsin in a Wisconsin, like sorority lodge for love. Like he's not going to find it there. Um, or Laura Linney, you know, choosing to take care of her brother. Like that's not a fun decision. It's not a self-serving decision, but it's something that she's chosen to do because that's love actually, you know? So I, I really like the message of this. I see what movie. you did there. It's, that's uh, yeah. I really like the message of this movie that's underlying all of that, even though it's messy and it's complicated because yeah. that's how real life is. And I do love, even though the husband whose name escapes me, um, cheats on his wife. I love how when his wife finds out and then she's like crying in her room and she just kind of. She she kind of she takes charge of the relationship and she doesn't just let him continue on and and you see that like at the end he's gone away for a while and come back and hopefully they will be able to repair their relationship. Yeah, that's played by the late Alan Rickman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so let's get into our number one film. The best movie ever. And this is the other perfect score that we had came from Maureen. She gave it a perfect 30 out of 30. So this film was directed by Michael Curtis. It stars Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Ellen, and obviously music by Irving Berlin. So Maureen, since you gave it a perfect score, let's have you kick this off. Our last film, the number one, White Christmas. I could not be happier that this was number one. I did not expect it to be because again, it's a musical. It's older. It's I didn't I didn't think it would have mass appeal for everyone. Maureen, science prevails. I'm so excited. I'm I like take this as like a victory for all that is good in the world. Um, this is hands down my favorite Christmas movie. I grew up watching this one with my mom and my family. I just, I mean, everyone in my family can sing it. Like, my dad, my dad will sing some of these songs. I mean, from Sisters, which is one of the more obscure ones, to obviously the title, White Christmas. Right. My favorite song in this one is Snow. Um, ooh, maybe it's a tie between Snow when they're, like, you know, on the train to Vermont and imagining it. Um, and then, when you're tired and you can't sleep, you count, yeah, your, blessings count your blessings instead of sheep. Yeah, It's so which funny. I- Those are actually my two least favorite <laughs> Uh, selections in the whole score that just means they're all good zach Um, (laughs) that's true no it's definitely true they are all good those are your two least favorite you like choreography better than those two (laughs) i think i do yeah because of the dancing and stuff (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i mean yeah i I think i I, if i was listening like on an album i'd rather listen i think to count your blessings i don't really like snow but i think i'd rather listen to count your blessings but watching it definitely choreography yeah i'll give you that but yeah so i just this is this is my nostalgia rating and christmas spirit off the charts the whole thing takes place at christmas is about christmas um so that's my take okay so since i'm probably going to be the only debbie downer on this film i do like this movie it was not my highest rated i'm okay with it being number one but one of the things that i don't love about this movie is that it feels a little bit cheaply made almost like there's scenes set during wartime that feel like everything is made of styrofoam and I just don't really love that. So for quality of the film, I guess at the time it might have been fine, but that is that definitely is a nitpick of mine. But I will let that go, and I'm okay with it being number one. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I mean, I definitely have noticed that, that it looks pretty fake, but I wonder if those scenes are just so few and far between that they it wasn't worth the... I mean, it, 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 this too is a long movie, and it covers a lot of ground so i mean i think the reason is it's not really a movie it's a musical that's yeah filmed. yeah that's true and yeah, that's a good point all of the all of the scenes are basically i mean there are only a handful of of uh places where it's filmed there's yeah. the the war front when they're there there's the uh the club where they do the sisters act um and bing and uh danny do their version of the sisters act <laughs> there's the train and then there's the cottage in vermont and then there's the club in new york city right so it's like Basically yeah. six locations yeah. for the whole thing, and they're just they're all sets, but yeah. they're no, that's a good point. They're basically stage. It's sets. kind of like Singing in the Rain. I don't remember Singing in the Rain. It kind of has to... that same. Another for great me. film, but yeah. another musical, so that makes sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a really good point. I did see this as a stage play. I saw it adapted on the stage, and I think I liked it more there because I think really? you're right. It does it does feel like it should be on stage more right. than it should be on a film. 
I agree. We actually saw it on stage as well, but we saw it in Oof. Edinburgh, and it, it was wasn't a great. Good. It wasn't a great rendition. I think it was a mistake to go see a British, a British portrayal of the American story, yeah, White Christmas. Yeah, they didn't really. Maybe yeah. that was part of it, but did it was they do not, American accents? They tried, they tried, which was I think Oof. part of the yeah. yeah. Yikes. But yeah, I love White Christmas. I have no problems with it being number one. Um, sometimes I do feel like it's a little long. <laughs> and I don't love when Bing and Rosemary have their uh, their disagreement or their, I was like, yeah, their fight is so frustrating. It's yeah. so it's stupid. So Just like in any rom-com, you yeah. get to be... And this is not a rom-com. I recognize that. Although there are comedic elements. But in any romantic movie there's always so there's always the climax of tension before the denouement and right. it's just like talk to each other right. guys just right. tell him what's on your mind and tell yeah. her what's he on your can't mind read your mind and we would Stop obviate all expecting of this. it <laughs> Aha, the cracks are being exposed the cracks are being exposed <laughs> but Even i will the say end, she doesn't talk to him she just gives him that weird horse wrapped up yeah, in tin foil such a good point that's a good point yeah i will say this is another one where i've teared up not at the very end scene but at the uh the will follow the the general yeah. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Of course. All right. So that is our number one film. We'd love to hear what our listeners think about this list. And do you have any suggestions for movies we should have added? Or do you have any thoughts about our rankings? Obviously, they are 100% scientific. This could win a Nobel Nobel Prize in science because it's so scientific. (laughs) So there's really nothing you can say. But if you do have disagreements or other thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a message on Anchor or uh, leave a comment on vernacularpodcast.com slash thepoppedcast. We'd love to hear from you. Zach and Sally, thank you guys so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having us. And should your listeners stay tuned next week for the Die Hard Marathon? I think so. I think so. Maybe we'll just cover one through three. We'll forget four and five ever happened, and we'll just be good. We'll be good from there. Excellent. All right, next week. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash podcast. We would love to hear from you, and we would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. I grew up on these, but those cookies, I think it's Pillsbury, but like they're in the canister and so you pop the canister and then it's the a big it's a big bake? roll. No. Is it slice no, and bake? Is no. that what it's called? Yes. Those are absolutely And you just slice garbage. it up. Those, I don't discriminate. Yeah, I eat those. No, those are good. I'm with you. Garbage. <laughs> so thank you, Maureen. Yeah. So this is not like my go to treat or my favorite, anything like that. But there isn't there isn't there part of you guys that thinks back to your childhood like i'm immediately nostalgic whenever i see the little the little christmas tree yeah the christmas tree it's exactly what i was thinking of (laughs) thank you maureen thank you well zach zach i need real cookies zach i have to say that i look back to throwing them in the trash very fun wow gosh (laughs) such an elitist wow